dark room um, and you put a lamp onto your feet, there's only two major things that you can see. Um, we can see the step right in front of us and the step right behind us, right? If you're in a dark room and you put a lamp onto your feet. That is what the Word of God does for us. Sometimes we want the Word of God to be a lamp onto our forehead. Lord, what am I going to do 20 years from now? When is this promise going to be fulfilled? Who am I going to marry? Who am I not going to marry? Who am I? I need you to tell me everything. And we, we want God to be more of a genie than a lamp onto our feet. Or some of us, we stay dragging a lamp onto the back of our head and we just ponder on our past and we can never get over it. But I want to tell you and invite you to the table of Jesus tonight because he says that he is a lamp unto our feet. His word is a lamp unto our feet. So together, let's endeavor to allow Holy Spirit to show us what's the next step. All I'm going to show you, says the Spirit of the Lord, is what's the next step. And all I'm going to show you is the step where I just took you out of. I don't want you to, to dwell on the past. But I do want you to remember where I took you out of. And I'm going to show you what the next step is. So we're going to trust the Lord in that. Amen? You got, go ahead and have your seat because we're going to read a lot of verses today. That's what, That was my preemptive and hyping you up because I'm about to read like 25 verses. Because I need you to understand fully the story of Asa. And I love that we're not getting live streams so I could just be at home, right? We're at home. Cleveland, you guys know how much we love you. You are so loved. Uh, by God and by the rest of your RTTN family. It is so good to be here. It is so good to be with pastors Chris and Crystal. These people are the real deal. Like you see them up here. I'm telling you, they are the real deal. I've seen them when no one else knew them. And they are the exact same people that they were then. They are now upright before the Lord. So I honor our pastors, our campus pastors. And it is an honor for me to be here. I want to teach to you about a man named Asa. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, do you know Asa? Do you know Asa? You probably don't, but it's okay. Or maybe you do not, and it's not Asa Pryor. You know, you know the Priors because their son is Asa. That's not who I'm gonna teach about today. Asa is, a, is actually a very important character that we don't speak a lot about because when in his season of reign, um, there was a lot going on, right? And it's very easy to focus on David and Solomon and and the the two kingdoms split in the northern and southern kingdoms. It's it's kind of easy to get Asa lost, but Asa is important because there's three chapters, three whole chapters on this man named Asa. And I want us to kind of pick his story apart. This is going to be more like a Bible study. Open up your Bibles. Open up your phones. We're going to pick this story apart. And I want to share with you what I feel God spoke to me. This word was for me first. I'm just going to invite you to, into what God was, was showing me. Let's go. We're going to read our main text. If that means anything, it's going to be in 2 Chronicles. No, yep. 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Verse, let's, let's start reading from verse 1. The word of God says in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now the Spirit of, of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. 
If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, come on, teaching priest, and without law. But when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is a two-edged sword. That means that wherever it touches our mind, our spirit, our, our intellect, Lord, it's going to provoke changes because it is alive and it is, it is well in our soul. So, Lord, we come to it in reverence, asking you, Holy Spirit, to move like only you can move. This is your word. This is your church. We are your people. You are the boss. We do what you say, Lord, now and forevermore. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So let's backtrack a little bit so I could kind of set you up and who Asa was and how he came on the scene and why he's so important. Why do you think Holy Spirit allowed for three chapters, three entire chapters, in the midst of so many kings that were born in this season, why did God allow three chapters to focus in on this man named Asa? So Asa is the great, great grandson so remember Solomon, David, who was a man after God's own heart, had a son named Solomon. But David was not able to build a temple because David had, done, had seen too much blood. So God said, I'm going to give you a son. And your son, Solomon, to this day, he, he is super, super wise and, and asked God for wisdom. And God blessed him in a mighty way. And, but Solomon uh, sinned against God. He had a peculiar problem, which which we may think it's only for the biblical times unless you open up any newspaper anywhere and you see that that problem is still alive and well. Sexual immorality is still alive and well. It has destroyed the best of people and the worst of people, the best of ministers and the worst of ministers. It's, it's a problem that causes certain things to come forth in a lineage. And because of Solomon's issues, then he, he gives birth to a son and, and the, the next ruler does what is wrong before the eyes of the Lord. And, and he starts this lineage of evil kings, one after another, men that did not, uh, were, were not facing the, their, their eyes toward Jesus or toward God. And they chose to do their own things and idol worship and prostitution and, and all of the possible perversions that you could think of. But in the midst of all this, in the middle of, of this season of, of sin, of, of disobedience to the Lord, we, we have like a, like a section, a portion with this man, the introduction of this man, Asa, King Asa. And, we, and I, I like because it, it, it talks about him in two different books. That's how important he is. Two different books that speak about Asa. And in verse, in chapter 15, 1 Kings 15, I like the way that they describe his beginnings in this one verses in Chronicles, which is why I'm going to read this one. And I already warned you, I'm going to read a lot of verses, but it's okay because the word of the Lord is a lamp unto our feet, okay? In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, Abijam, became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Maacah, the granddaughter of Absalom. I'm going to just give you a clue. All these people were wicked, okay? You don't even need to. Don't even pronounce the name. They were all wicked. Verse 4. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp 
in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem. Because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life. Now let's go to verse 9. I read the part about David because Asa was created because God was fulfilling his promise to David, okay? So after king, after evil king, after evil king comes Asa. So I'm, I'm going to start with this. Whatever situation you can be going to today, God is still the God that if he promised you something, regardless of what evil rises, regardless of any demonic thing that comes against you, your family, your lineage, guess what? He will do exactly what he said he was going to do because my God fulfills every promise. So he had promised to, to David a son, a, a righteous son, and it wasn't until Asa that God fulfilled that promise because God doesn't forget. And in verse 9, in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king over Judah. And he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. Now I'm going to give you a guess. Where, what, what lineage do you think um, Jesus came from? I'll give you a clue. It was the tribe of Judah. Okay, so from this, right, why do you think it was important for God to have a righteous man? And he did. So then his grandmother in verse 10, we already read about his grandmother, Mecca. She had done abominations against God, and he was within his lifetime. So his father had died, his great-grandfather, all the evil men had died, but there was still an evil in his house that he needed to address. You see, just because God has promised you things doesn't mean that we just get to lay back and be like, well, God, you promised me that I was going to do this and that I was going to be a preacher and that I was going to be a singer and that I was going to marry someone and you, you lay him back and you're not trying to do nothing. You're not praying. You're not seeking the Lord. You're, you know, you ain't taking care of yourself. Sometimes I, I laugh at people. Well, I don't laugh at the, in their face, but, you know, inside when, they, when they're like, oh, I'm believing God. God told me I was going to marry this dude, and he's, like, tall and handsome, and I'm just like, girl, I love you so much. I don't know if y'all have ever read the book, I Kissed, Dating, Goodbye. So in the book, he talks about when you're, like, a two and you want a ten. Like that, right? So God promised you this amazing husband or this amazing wife, but you're out there eating ding-dongs and Doritos, and then you don't understand why these dudes come in your church and they don't look at us, right? Because we are focused on the wrong things. Because sometimes we think that just because God promised me something, that means that I just get to lay back and do what I want. But there was an evil inside of Asa's house. And Asa, one of the first things he does is deals with the evil in his house. We're so focused about dealing with the things on the outside. And I'm here to remind you, you got to first deal with the evil in your house. You first have to put your house in order, your marriage in order, your children in order, your finances in order. If you want God to then bless you with other things. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, when God talks about being overseers, it's actually a prerequisite. Do you, do you want to be an overseer? You got to be, you got to have one wife. You have to have your kids in order because you can't do nothing on the outside if your house is still a mess. So Asa knew this and, and the Bible says that he, he began to deal with, with three specific things which I, I like in 1 Kings 15. He says in verse 12, and he banished the perverted persons from the land, number one. 
He banished, so he dealt with perversion. If I had a nickel for how many times we should be preaching this from the altar, you have to deal with perversion. If you don't deal with nothing else in your life, don't let the devil wipe you out with perversion because he is out to get everything that God has established. And if you think you're too holy because God, I'm going to tell you, I'm probably seeking the Lord more than you. And I have to address perversion all the time. I sacrifice it to the Lord all the time. He dealt with perversion. He sacrificed it. He took care of it. And in actuality, there's other versions that will tell you that this was male prostitution happening in front of the idols. And he didn't care. He didn't care how ugly or how grandiose it looked. I don't care what you tell me. Sin is sin, and I will call it as such. He dealt with the perversion, the perverted persons from the land. He removed all of the idols that his father had made. I don't care who gave you this belief system. If it doesn't line up with scripture, say na 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Sayonara. Sayonara, I'm, I don't have room for lies. I don't have room for half-truths. I only have room for what is right and what is in his word. Some of us have been raised in all of this culture and this tradition and this religion, and we feel like a sense of ownership or, or like we owe something because my dad and my dad's dads and my mom were all like that. Let me, let me free you tonight. You have to seek the Lord with all you have and address the idols that your fathers have left you. You don't need them where you're going. In this new season that God has taken you, in this new thing that God is doing, there is no room in your cart for your father's idols. Let it go. He dealt with perversion. He dealt with the idols that the father had created. And then he removed Mecca, his grandmother, from being queen mother. I don't care how long you've been ruling in my house. I am here to tell you, you and I have the authority in Jesus Christ to dethrone everything that has tried to take your peace, that which has tried to take your marriage, that which has tried to take your kids. He dethroned his grandmother. He says, you are not the queen mother anymore. You know why you're not the queen mother anymore? Because there's a new father in town. There's a new boss in town. There's a king of kings and a lord of lords. And he is the boss. And I have no room for you, queen mother. He takes her out. He gets rid of her. And the Bible says that for 10 years, say with me, 10 years, there was peace in the land. Because something happens when you and I make a decision to obey God. There's, there's things that happen as an effect of our obedience. One of those things is peace. Peace that surpasses understanding. That's why in the New Testament it says, let the peace of the Lord guide you. Because that's how you'll know if you've nailed it because you have peace. So many times our pastors will, when I have a question, I'm like, you know, pastor, I don't know what to do. Well, do you have peace about it? I'm like, I knew you were going to say that, but I was really looking for you to tell me what to do. Because something about peace aligns us and confirms when we're making the right choices. So for 10 years, Asa enjoys the, the benefits of obedience, which is peace. But after the 10th year, there was an enemy that arose against Asa. And we start to see that in 2 Chronicles because there's like three, verse, three chapters. And I've already apologized for all the verses. 
Second Chronicles, we're going to go to verse chapter 15 because this is all still good. So in, in verse 15, it says that this man of God rises up and he says, listen, if you, he says, hear me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. In other words, everybody listen to me. The Lord is with you, but there's, there's, there's something behind it. He is with you while you are with him. Now, I was going to say if I had a nickel, but at this point, if I had a dime, right? Sometimes, see, and I'm going to start to caution you because this, we're going to get to the part where God really spoke to me. Sometimes we think that when God called us, he separated us, he's, he's using us for his mighty, uh, for his gospel, and we start to see uh, healings and miracles, and 99% of the time we're shocked. We're like, oh, my goodness, wow, God, you use me? Like, people think that, listen, if you're really used of God, you, it's the most humbling thing you will ever experience. You're like, I don't even know how you did that, Jesus. But sometimes something happens when we are used of God and, 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 and we experience the supernatural. We, we can sometimes become a little disconnected by who the source is, right? We, we think if I preach good after 20 years, it, you know, at some point it's me, you know, because I, hey, I could talk. It happens to the best of us. Yes, it does, Pastor Chris. And he says, he starts to warn Asa, and I'm pausing here because this is going to be important because Asa doesn't really fully listen. He says, God is with you, but only when you are with him. In other words, when you're obeying him, his promises are attached to you. But when you're not obeying him, uh, no, doesn't quite work out like that. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. If you turn your back from God, he will turn his back from you. So then the Bible begins to talk about this enemy that came up against Asa. And I'm going to try to fast forward to verse 8. Because when Asa heard this man of God rise up and, and speak to him in the midst of this uh, uh, impending battle, he's, Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Obed the prophet. He took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. In verse 10, so they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the 15th year of the reign of Asa, and this is important, and they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls and 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all of their hearts and with all of their soul. Not only had the man of God said, if you seek him, you will find him. If you're for him, he is for you. But if you don't, he won't be for you. But then this provokes something in Asa. It's a courage that comes upon Asa like, like man, God really is who he says he is. And that courage produces praise. Right? You know that sacrifice, we, we, are, we are the sacrifice, right? Sacrifice of praise. So he begins, he begins to sacrifice before God and begins to worship. And he said, the Bible says that he makes a covenant to seek the Lord. I don't know how many of you have made that covenant already. For me, it was, my first time was 14 and then pretty much every two months after that. 
over. And I'm like, Lord, I covet, I make a pact to seek you all over again because he made a covenant to seek the Lord. Not only him, but he may actually, if you read the following verses, he, he's so crazy. He said, if y'all don't follow Jesus and seek, seek the Lord, seek God, I'm going to kill you, is what he said. I'm telling you, read the, read the following verses. He's crazy, yo. He's very zealous for God, right? Ah, yes. And he, they destroyed the enemy. God gave them the victory over the enemy because Asa sought the Lord. God spoke to him. Listen, if you seek me, there's promises attached to that. He, his response is praise, sacrifice unto God, and makes a covenant to seek the Lord. But then we get to chapter 16. And in chapter 16, it had already been the 36th year of the reign of Asa. So, so he started, first 10 years was peace. And then from 10 to 36 was all of these years of God giving him victory, God giving him blessing. But something happened on the 36th year. I'm talking, I'm going to talk tonight. The rest of it is for some seasoned saints. People that have been in church for a very long time. People that have heard it all. They've heard every song. Well, we can't say we've heard every song because there's literally a new one every week. I can't keep up. This is why we have lyrics. And this is why... Pastor Tori, she doesn't put me on the front line too much because I stay forgetting all the songs. So we don't know all the songs, but you pretend like you do, and you know pretty much all the basic melodies, so you, you hum it, right? You, you and I that have been to church for a really long time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a warning tonight as we learn in the, in the life of Asa. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, Israel would be the northern kingdom. Remember that it had been a division since Solomon. So Asa was over the southern kingdom. Uh, uh, Basha was over the, uh, the northern kingdom, Israel. Israel and Judah. He came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying... Let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. Wait, uh, let's, let me rewind. So, so God put you, Asa, to, to govern and to rule. He, you've seen his work. You've seen his power because he's given you the victory over your enemies. And then you, you sacrifice praise to him. And then you make a covenant to seek. That's, that's the key. The covenant is to seek the Lord. But then an enemy rises from a very, very close person. Because, you know, I don't know if you knew, but Israel and Judah is the same people. They were just divided by land and by kings because there, there was some wickedness going on. That's why there was a division. So the problem was within. So the first time that there was evil in his family, he had the wherewithal to take her out and say, you're not the queen mother anymore. There's another, there's another God. This time, when the enemy comes up against him, it's not, it's not a little old lady anymore. It's a king who, who builds a fortification, a visual, a visual distraction, a visual enemy, a visual strong tower. And that visual, that situation, that grandiose thing that he thought he would not be able to conquer, that provoked him to forget the covenant of seeking God, because that's what he had just said a few verses before. And now before asking God, 
before looking to seek answers from God or one of his prophets, the Bible says that he makes a treaty. He takes the treasures from the temple, that which belongs to God, to then give it to this, this man, this pagan man, and makes a treaty with him. Hey, you and I are going to do this together or we're going to destroy the enemy. See, something happens sometimes when the journey gets long. And when we've been waiting for the Lord a long time or when we've been saved for a long time, we have to be careful not to grow complacent. You see, because in this journey, it, it, there's not a one and for all guarantee. Like you, you come to God once and that's it. You, you're saved and you're perfect forever. He created us so that we can always find him as a source. So that we can always be the vine and he's always going to be the branch. That means that without the branch, any, at any moment, if we fall off, we don't survive. He created it as such, and the enemy is very good at trying to distract our vision and to teach us false doctrine. And he tells you, you got this on your own. You know, you're so smart. Look at you. You're a business person. You've created an, a financial empire. Look at how good you sing. Look at how good you preach. Man, when you walk into places, the demons have to leave. Well, praise the Lord. But let me tell you, if you don't continue to come to the deliverer, there will come a time where you will begin to take that which belongs to God and try to make packs with the enemy to get the same results that only God can give. He took the treasures, okay, he took the money. How do I? That's why the Bible says where your, where your money is, that's where your heart is. I, can, I know who you serve based on how you give. You know how I serve and how much I love God based on how. And let me tell you, if, if people tell you that they've always been great tithers and they've never struggled, well, praise the Lord, they're going to be wrapped up in the chariot like Elijah. The rest of us. Are the, branch, are the vines and he's still the branch. And God will sometimes ask us to give an offering. And I'm like, that is from the pit of hell. That is just not of God. I've shared the testimony before. About three years ago, I had just come back from Guatemala. Didn't have two nickels to rub together. I was living with Mama Maria. She is the, uh, the, the head, uh, one of the uh, security at Chattanooga. And she let me live there for free because I didn't have nothing. And I was just like, Lord, I remember it was tax season. And, well, it was around this time. And I got $600. And I remember that um, at the beginning of the year, Pastor had talked about first fruits. But I didn't have no fruit. So I was not worried. It was not for me because clearly I didn't have no fruit. So I was like, you speak to these people, Jesus. Yes, you Pastor, wave that bread. I, was, I, was, I cried and everything, receiving the word for other people. But I remember when I got that check, I'm telling you, <laughs> it was not of God. I heard clearly in May, in May, remember the first fruits. I'm like, it's May. It is May. First fruit season has come. It has been, resurrection has happened. You are, hallelujah, Jesus is alive. I was ready. I was like, that is not of God. But then he spoke to me again and, you know. 
But if I would, if I was gonna tell you that I was mad happy that day, I was, yo, I was, I was troubled. My spirit was troubled. I couldn't look possessed because I was just like, no. <laughs> I was so angry, and then I was like, Lord, but at the end of the day, all that I am belongs to you. And I got my heart right. I was like, Jesus, it was, it's the only 600 I got. So I, I gave 60 for tithes and like 540 for offering. I'm like, it's going to be okay, Kim. And I remember that Pastor Kevin said, but the second half of the year, God is going to bless you over and abundant more than you could ever ask or think. And I was like, whoo, praise the Lord. That same, I remember Good Friday, they told me you should apply for a certain job with the state of Georgia. And I did. About three weeks later, they called me in. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a state job, so it takes time. I remember the day that I started was July the 1st of that year. And I was driving into the, I'm like, it's July the 1st. Woo! I was crying. The same, the same tears, but like happy now. Like really happy. <laughs> You're so good. My income had doubled. I thought I had made it. I'm like, Jesus, I don't even deserve you. You're so good. And then a month after that, someone came and had an interview with, they were asking me about Hispanic professionals in our church. And I was like, oh, I have a great list. Alex, I had you on that list. I, 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 I talked about all the bilingual people in our church who are professionals. Yeah, there's these great people. And, and after the conversation, she said, well, do you have a job? And I was like, well, yeah, I work for the state of Georgia. I am blessed and highly favored. She was like, well, you ever consider working with us? And I was like, well, tell me about it. She describes this position, and I'm like, well, wow, that sounds like a shoo-in for me. So I said yes without even asking how much they paid. I'm like, well, Lord, you, this is from glory to glory. I was like, if they at least pay me $60,000, Lord, I, I would have made it. I'm calling all my family and my friends. I've made it. She puts a, a number on the piece of paper, and she folds it and slides it. And I was at the Together Cafe. There's no, there's no back on those chairs if you've been there. If you haven't been there, Go. You have backs on this one, but not at the Chattanooga one. And she passed me the paper, and I'm telling you, y'all want to know what it said? $120,000. I was like, if someone, if you don't send angels to catch me right now. Whoo. And for somebody, maybe some of you, you know, your mom and your dad have made a whole bunch of money, and, you know, you've been, listen, my parents... We were, I was raised on food stamps and never had any new clothes. And so for somebody, a Dominican second generation person to get $120,000 and, and in actuality, when it actually started, it was 140. So, so I, God had quadrupled the amount of money that I had when he asked me for the offering. Because my God will always do above and beyond more than you could ever ask or think. Because he is a good God. So I don't know who God is asking about money. But that was for you because I wasn't part of my sermon. So then Asa took all of the treasures. Took treasures from the temple. Not all of them. Took treasures from the temple. And makes a pact without asking God, because maybe if he asked God, God would have told him, hey, go speak to this king and make, maybe God would have said that. Who knows? But he didn't even care to ask. And so many decisions of our lives, we think it's the same way. In the book of Joshua, chapter 9, I believe, 7 or 9, don't quote me, just look it up when you get home. It talks about Joshua, God had told him, you're going to destroy, uh, uh, you're going to go and you're going to conquer the promised land and you're going you're gonna to conquer all the neighboring towns. 
And the Bible talks about a group of people called the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were so slick that they, they were like, listen, we ain't trying to go down like this. We're not trying to die. So we're going to create this story. So they fabricated a story and they acted like they were poor and meek and, oh, we're, we come from far off land. No, they were like five minutes away. We come from far off land. Look at our moldy bread. Look at, look at, look at how good I am because, girl, I'm going to make you so happy. And, and this is the best job you're ever going to take. You have to miss Sunday church and you have to work around the clock and neglect your family. But listen, I'm going to pay you so much money. It's going to be great. And all of these offers and the Bible says that Joshua did not seek the Lord. And because he did not seek the Lord, he made a pact with that which he was supposed to destroy. And oftentimes it is the same thing with us. We pack and we become united with things that God did not intend for us to be united to. And then we're crying and, and confused as to what's happening. And God is like, well, if you would have just remembered the covenant you made to seek me. Remember the time when, when you first came to Christ and, and you accepted me and you said, Lord, your will be done and not mine. And, and, and forgive me of sin and, and write my name in the book of life. And, Lord, I'm going to pursue you all the days of my, of my life. But then five years happen and ten years happen and, and church becomes more like a routine. And, and you know what to say and you raise up your hands. And somewhere along the way, some of us forget that at the end of the day, the covenant is still the same. Seek me first. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. You cannot get all things added unto you if you're not seeking first the kingdom of God. And because Asa did not seek God, he made a pact that God did not intend for him to have. And, and you know what? The pact worked. Oh, because when I disobey God, it's going to be hell and fury. At the beginning, it may not be. I, I have been with people. I have been with ministers that have, that have done wrong before the eyes of God. And for a time, they're perfectly fine. As a matter of fact, they look better with the other person than they did with their original spouse. You could, you're like, man, look at, they're still blessed. They're still up. They're still preaching and they're still ministering. Don't get it twisted. Do not get it twisted because when you make pacts with the enemy, with seeking for things that only come from God, I'm telling you it's only a matter of time. And when Asa made a pact with this king, guess what? The king was like, all right, let's do this. And they were able to come against Israel and they were able to push back Israel. So it worked. The pact worked. But, but then we read in chapter, in chapter 16. And this is where we're going to end. Verse 7. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, <laughs> came to Asa, king of Judah. The seer <laughs> came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, Therefore, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand, which means you were supposed to conquer them, but they've escaped from your hand because you've made a pact with that which I did not intend for you to make a pact. 
where the Ethiopians and the Lubin, not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen, these are the people that God had given him the victory in verse in chapter 15, which I didn't read. Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. The, the God that you and I seek, the one that we made a pact to seek, is the God that's already proven to you that he has all authority and all power and all dominion. He doesn't have to do anything else for you and I to serve him and seek him all the days of our lives because he's already shown us who he is. On Sunday, we celebrated the greatest the greatest day of our existence as Christians, the day that he rose from the grave and he said, it is finished. He already proved what he can do. In verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf, on behalf of who? Of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison. For he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. And in verse 11, let's read in verse 12. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased. That messed me up. He became his, he could have had any other disease. But he was diseased in his feet. His ability to walk, his ability to advance was removed from him because of his inability to keep seeking the Lord till the day he died. If you're content with where you are, maybe you don't have to push anymore. The Bible says that there's going to be people that are going to be saved as if by fire. Barely make it because you know Jesus and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But if you're trying to go somewhere and you're trying to obey God and see great and mighty things and, and there's promises over your life that have not been fulfilled yet, my God. The challenge is tonight, seek him and keep seeking him till the day you die. Because this disease came on his feet and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Even in the disease, had Asa turned to God, what do you think God would have done? He would have forgave him because his mercies are new every morning. He would have healed him. And he would have restored his promise, but Asa did not. What happened to the Asa that had gotten rid of perversion, had gotten rid of idols, and had dethroned evil in his house? What happened? What happened to Asa who was encouraged by the word of the Lord to conquer his enemies and was able to have great conquest in the name of the Lord? What happened to that Asa? What happened to the Asa who understood what it is to sacrifice praise before the Lord? What happened to that Asa? You see, time happened to Asa. Times of not seeking the God. And, and if I were to stand up here and tell you, 
I, this word didn't strike my heart, I'd be a liar. I'm like, Lord, at the end of the day, may my life be there to seek you. That's all I want. Let that be the desire of your heart. Because let me tell you, when you and I propose in our hearts to seek God and to live righteous lips, righteously before him, there is no hell that can ever come against you. So whatever the circumstance tonight, the good thing is you and I are alive. We are alive and well. And there's hope. Because of his mercy. And because of his grace. So if you're at any, any, any stop in Asa's life, maybe, maybe you're there and you're here and you're like, Pastor Kim, I have, I brought an entire box of tradition and religion and, and thought processes and, and systemic theology books that I have read and, and, I, and, and, and counteract with how I'm feeling and, and the presence of God in me. And I'm struggling with that, Pastor Kim, tonight. I'm here to tell you, you have the authority in Jesus Christ to I'm not saying get rid of everything. I'm saying just line it up, line it up to scripture, line it up to the word of God. Maybe you're, you're here and you're like, there's, there's, I know that there's evil in my house, but it's so real and it's so intimidating and, and I've been dealing with it for a long time and I don't feel like it's going anywhere. I'm just going to remind you that he is who he says he is. He has all power and authority and you can bring that queen mother down. Nothing in this world will ever be equal to the power of our God. Nothing. Not sickness, not tribulation, not principalities, not demonic forces. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Maybe you're like, Pastor Kim, I, I, have, I have been obedient to the Lord and, and I'm experiencing a season of peace. I'm here to tell you that, that although there's a season of peace, the enemy is like a roaring lion and he is seeking whom he's going to devour. And he's plotting. He's plotting against your marriage. He's plotting against your children. He's plotting against your health. He has, he has many plans ready for you. You have to stay seeking. You have to stay seeking because he is like a roaring lion and he's, he is circling you. He won't stop. But when you and I seek the Lord, he will give, you, give us victory after victory after victory after victory. The peculiar thing about victory is that there is no victory without battle. Sometimes we think living a life of victory is living a life devoid of battles. But the only way to experience victory is to experience battles. So in this world, you will have trouble, but faint not or maybe you're going to say Pastor Kim I've been in church a very very long time and I'm not going to lift up my hand if you ask me to but but I've heard it all I've seen it all and I'm struggling to do the basics I'm struggling to pray I'm struggling to have a devotion with the Lord Listen, if, if you think none of us experienced that, <laughs> you haven't spoken five minutes to me. Because I'm telling you, it is more a battle for me today to pray than it was at 16 to pray. 
it is more a battle for me today. After I've heard all the things, after I've seen God do miracles and wonders and, and cast out devils, it is tougher for me to have my secure prayer life today than it was when I was 16 and I had barely seen anything about the Lord. If you've had a journey with Jesus, and somewhere along that line, maybe there's been some coldness. Maybe, I don't know, you know, God gives us wisdom so I could kind of figure this out. And, and we've started to rely on the things of this world. We've started to rely on our intellect because he gave us wisdom. And we start to rely on our friends because all my friends are preachers. And we start to rely on our abilities because, you know, he gifted me. And, and we, we know how to explain away our reliance on the natural. But, but God wants to remind you tonight that you need to rely on him, on the supernatural always going to be about him. So I want you to join me on your feet tonight. I feel like God is calling out some Asas tonight. In the Bible, the, the, one of the last verses we read, he says that his eyes are looking to and fro. I'm going to read that one again because that one is good. We'll end with that one. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He is, and let me tell you, that, that, that truth doesn't end in 2023. He is still looking to and fro. He's here in Cleveland tonight and he's looking to and fro. And he wants to bless you, but he's looking for loyalty. For hearts that seek him, truly seek him. So with all eyes closed, I just want you to talk to him tonight. It's between you and Abba. Spirit of wisdom, open my eyes again. Spirit of revelation, open my eyes again. Spirit of wisdom, open my eyes again. Spirit of revelation, open my eyes again. Cause I want to see you. Just say that I want to see you. If that is the prayer of your heart tonight, I want to see you. That's all we want, God, to seek your face. of 
God. Will you seal this word over every heart tonight? Thank you for your word. It's always timely. May you encourage hearts tonight. Restore that which is broken. Heal that which is sick. Align that which is crooked. Fix that which is broken. Let the words of my mouth, everything in me, seek you first, God. We put you on the throne once again. That which we have used to put in your place, oh God, we, we dethrone it right now in the name of Jesus. We remove it from the altar of our hearts. Lord, and we say you are high and lifted up. You are the center of it all. And before I leave tonight, if you need prayer for whatever part of that was, was for us, I'm going to open up the altars. I want to pray with you. I believe that God wants to seal this word and you will never be the same. I believe that God is going to start a new chapter, a new book in your life. That this season of fulfillment, this season of, of when he is going to regene you to give you new DNA, is a season that he's, he needs to remind you from the beginning, you need to seek me.